Welcome to the IEEE Rebooting Computing Podcast, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. The future of computing and technology looks like neuromorphic computing, memristors, deep learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence, mixed signal, optoelectrical systems, and other non-traditional computing technologies, according to Dylan Graham of the Critical Skills Master's Program, R&D Computer Science, at Sandia National Laboratories. Dylan shares what technologies he believes will take us beyond Moore's Law, why mobile computing might just be what will drive the industry, and why he hopes machine learning and artificial intelligence will become more useful in the computing industry. So that's an interesting question. I've actually heard the Beyond Moore's Law talk um, for at least the last three or four years at conferences, some other conferences I go to. Um, And I think it's a really interesting question. I mean, obviously we're getting towards the end. Um, What the last few technology nodes or last couple technology nodes will probably be so expensive to actually build the fabs it might not be worthwhile if we're just following the standard trend um so i don't know it's hard to define beyond moore's law i think uh, finding new technologies that take us past that growth curve is definitely important i think neuromorphic and some other technologies have a lot of potential but i think we need to find better applications to actually sell them to industry and find a use for them to make them readily adopted so you have a lot of uh, you know, people develop memristors and lots of really cool technologies um, that are kind of more non-traditional computing. Um, but then a lot of times we don't have actually an application or a demonstration to actually show where they're useful beyond just the power efficiencies and that kind of thing. So I think that a kind of killer app like you have in software, I think would be very helpful to help sell it to the general public and the rest of the industry. Um, but no one, at least that I've seen, no one quite has that application yet that will help sell it. Um, you know, with deep learning, for instance, you got a lot of hype around deep learning, but a lot of that's generated because you have a lot of money being made and industry finds it useful for different applications and government and everyone else. So I think we need something like that for the hardware side of it. My personal hope, I don't know if this will actually be the case, but my uh, my hope is that we'll actually find ways to make uh, machine learning and um, things approaching artificial intelligence more useful um, in computing. Uh, Right now, we are all very rigid on, uh, you know, as engineers, you want to have, you want to know, sure, you give it an input, you know, it does some processing, you get an expected output. But I think uh, going forward uh, with some of the AI techniques that are being developed, it might be more interesting to see uh, like fuzzy processing and that kind of stuff happen that makes more interesting applications for people. I also think uh, mobile devices are already ubiquitous, right? So making better use of um, processing on mobile devices in the future, I think would be a big um, component of it. Since uh, you already have, that's, and for the majority of people, that's already their main source of computing, right? That's where they check their email, that's where they do their Facebook and uh, get most of their information from. So I think making that platform more usable is, is important for the next era of computing. I mean, just take for instance, the mobile devices, right? If you actually want any kind of on-device learning to take place um, for whatever application, say you want to have a, a neuromorphic coprocessor unit within a mobile device, um, inter- energy efficiency is a huge part of that since you have such a limited form factor and also um, you, know, you have a lot of the energy being used for the other processing taking place on the device. So uh, um, I think if there's an application that could use that type of coprocessor, energy efficiency is a huge part of that to make it useful.
I think it's kind of more of a, a paradigm issue in a lot of cases. Um, I think what was it Todd Hilton talked earlier today at the conference about uh, how we tend to try to wedge uh, applications and algorithms we develop in other spaces like in data centers or desktop computing and then we try to wedge them onto on-device um, type of applications but um, I agree with him that I don't think it's necessarily the right paradigm to think of only going that one direction. I think in the future we'll need to look more at um, just a way, different way of approaching the problem for in the field or on-device kind of learning. Um, right now it's kind of hard to make that sell why it's useful because we can't do it efficiently quite yet. We developed a new neural network architecture um, we call a convolutional drift network, um, which essentially leverages uh, deep learning um, to extract visual or appearance features um, from video frames. And then we also use uh, a type of reservoir computing, which is called an echo state network, to uh, encode useful temporal features from um, sequential frames in video. So the overall task that we approached for the paper was um, first-person video activity classification. So the, the, the big efficiency we found, at least in these baseline um, explorations, were that we were able to uh, train a network to classify activity taking place in video um, by only training a single feed-forward neural network. Um, so in the case of one of our data sets, there's 10 classes, so we only train actually 10 neurons um, rather than you know 200 million uh, neurons you sometimes see in bigger architectures. So, uh, big efficiency as far as uh, number of parameters trained, um, but we were still able to beat or meet uh, state-of-the-art performance um, in this initial paper. So, Well, I think, I mean, it goes back to the Moore's Law question, right? So for a long time, we've kind of seen that on the horizon as we're going to have to develop something different um, uh, to go past that. Uh, of course, the um, advent of multi-core processing becoming more commonplace and everything kind of helped uh, bridge the gap a little bit, but I still think we need something past that point. Um, also, for those of us who are interested in um, AI research and that type of thing, I think um, having more devices that help accelerate that technology will only be helpful. So I think I think going back, we talked earlier about the mobile computing. I think as a, as a trend, at least, that's going to be something that will drive the industry for quite a while. Um, if nothing else, just because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of dollars involved in actually producing the consumer devices, so there's a lot of motivation to um, make those more efficient and, and less power hungry, that type of thing. Um, as far as new technologies, um, I like the idea of mixed signal or optoelectrical um, systems for um, neural network kind of technology, but um, I don't know a lot about that yet. So I think it has potential. Thank you for listening to our interview with Dylan Graham. Discover more about the IEEE Rebooting Computing Initiative and listen to other podcasts in this series by visiting our web portal at rebootingcomputing.ieee.org.